Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Let's go ahead and start. Um, I thought we would do, uh, if you've seen my notes or whether you have or not, Carla's going to kill me because she tried, asked me to try to get them out sooner. And as I told uh, people before the call, I got a new computer on Saturday and I got so excited fooling around with that, that I, and into Sunday and into Monday that I did not do my notes. So I apologize about that. I'll try to do better and uh, get them out before Monday, before the Monday, before the class or Tuesday before the class. But anyway, um, I thought I would that uh, we would talk about Christmas a little bit. I'm sorry. Do you have background noise? Could you please mute? I don't know what that was. I, I was thought maybe something I did. Anyway, um, uh, Christmas. Do you guys know uh, that? Do you know why it is that we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December? Um, I do. Okay. Why? Um, because the uh, in the 15th century, Pope Gregory uh, changed the calendar, um, and the original Orthodox Christmas was on January 7th. Okay. Now, that's true. Now, what you're saying is true, but there's even a reason that goes back further than that. I know. Mary Beth. Me- Mary Beth. Wait, yes, oh, Mary, Mary Beth. Mary Beth has her hand raised. Okay. Yes. Mary Beth. I think well, one it, second. I think I've got to go for one second. I'm sorry. Can y'all can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay. I had to let my hound dog out. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's very important. It is. It certainly is. It, he's such a great dog. Anyway, but anyway, okay, Mary Beth, what were you saying? I th- I think it goes back to that they they set it on that day because it coincided with the Latin celebration of Saturnalia. <clears throat> You're exactly so they, correct. They, Thought it would be a great distraction to put. They they didn't want to, you know. They were like under the radar because the Christians kept getting persecuted. So they figured we'll put it there. You are exactly correct. Um, let me say that again, so you'll know. The Romans had a holiday called the Saturnalia, which was a real rollicking, joyful holiday. It was a, it was like our Christmas in the, in that people gave presents to each other. And uh, one thing that happened during that holiday was if you had slaves, and just about everybody did. During that day, you had to serve your slaves dinner instead of them serving you. And a slave could talk back to you on a Saturnalia. Uh, so it was kind of a joyful Roman holiday in honor of Saturn. Well, when the Christian church, when, when that became a legal religion in Rome and Christianity became the recognized religion, then... Um, the people thought, well, you know, we can't stop people from celebrating the Saturnalia. We can't do that. But what we can do is say, let's say this is, we're going to celebrate Jesus' birth at this time. And that way we can emphasize that, but people won't miss 
celebrating the Saturnalia. And so that's what they did. There is an indication in the Bible that Jesus probably was born in the spring. Does anybody know what that indication is? I mean, then no one knows the date he was born, but there's an indication in the Bible. There's something that happens that makes you think he was born in the spring. Musi has yeah. her hand raised. Yes, Musi. Okay. Okay. It's because it's tax time. They were going to Bethlehem to be taxed. Well, uh, that's, Mary a, that's, and a, that's a good thought. And I hadn't thought of that. Yes, they can probably trace that back right. okay. to exactly when that census took place and so yes and i don't know how long a period i don't know if that census lasted for three or four or five you know because it took people a while to right get to back get around so i don't right. know how long a time but yes you could certainly trace that back and oh. they believe that happened in about four bc by the way but um there's something else anyone think you know there's something else that indicates it was probably spring shepherds in the fields yes Shepherds oh. probably wouldn't have been in, out in the fields during the winter, and they would have been out in the fields in the spring. So they think that perhaps uh, Jesus was born sometime during the spring because the shepherds were outside. Uh, but again, uh, we don't have any indication and we don't know. But it's because of uh, the Saturnalia and so forth that, the, that we celebrate Christmas when we do. And by the way, another thing is, Jesus probably was not born in one of those cute little thatch roofs, roofed stables that you see pictures of on Christmas cards and that kind of thing. His, his stable was probably, he was born in a stable, but it probably was a cave. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of stables in those ends like that were in caves. And so he probably was born in a cave-like stable. And so in Matthew, when it says, uh, they came to the house, you know, when it's talking about the wise men's visit, that probably means the wise men got there a good bit later than he was born. By that time, they had moved to a house, uh, found room in a house. So anyway, just a few little interesting facts about Christmas. Uh, how do you say Christmas in Latin? You say several ways. One, if you want to say the whole phrase, if you want to say the entire phrase, it's Natalis Dies Christi, which means the birthday of Christ. Natalis Dies Christi. If you know any girl named Natalie, that's the Italian for birth. And so her, if you know a girl named Natalie, that's the way the Italians say Christmas. Uh, it's from this Natalis Dies Christi. Um, uh, because I knew a girl named Natalie, and her last name was Pantalones, and she said her name meant Christmas pants. She didn't like her name because of that. Anyway, but um, Natalis Dies Christi. And so if you wanted to say Merry Christmas, you could, and, and they sometimes, in the Christmas carols, they sometimes shorten that to Dies Christi. So you could simply say Lightus Dies Christi, which means Happy Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, Lightus Dies Christi. Uh, if you want to say the whole phrase, like this Natalis Dies Christi, but that's a little long. If you want to say Happy New Year, Lightus Honest Novus. Lightus Honest Novus. Happy New Year uh, would be it. So anyway, those are just a few little, little Christmassy phrases we can learn. And uh, we're going to sing some carols a little bit later. We're going to sing a medieval Christmas carol. We're going to look at one at least a little bit later on. Okay, I thought we'd continue today with our prefixes. 
And if you have your notes, they're in there, but you can hear these whether you have your notes or not. And I think you know a lot of these already. You certainly are aware of them. Uh, the first one I give you today is contra, C-O-N-T-R-A, contra, meaning against. And we get a lot of words in English with this, like contra contradict. If you contradict somebody, you say the exact opposite of what they say. And sometimes that word in English is not contra, but counter. Sometimes I guess that's the French uh uh, influence maybe so like if i if you countervene something i say you speak against it you it's like contradicting um counterpoint is you know against the a point like in music or a different pattern uh from what you had before uh, contrary you're acting against something uh anybody think of any others Contrabass in music. I think there's a thing called a contrabass, and I, I don't don't ask me what it is. I don't know, but I'm sure it has something to do with being against the bass line or something. I don't know. Controversy uh, is that like speak against controversy? Yeah, controversy is to yes to turn ver okay. the versy part is like you turning over words in a discussion. So okay. controversy is turning over words in the opposite way than they were going. So oh, yes, okay. it's like saying the opposite of what someone was saying. Yes, that's a good one. Did you did you mention contribution? Con uh, yes, but that doesn't come from this. That comes from contribuo, which is a different word. It, it's like a regular Latin word. I don't know I don't know whether it is related to this word or not. I don't think it is. Oh, that's right. You're saying C-O-N-T-R-A, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a day, D-E, which in English, I suppose we say D, means from, down from, or not. You saw this word in, uh, we were doing the ablative case this week. We were looking at prepositions, and we saw this word, as one of our prepositions, but here it's a prefix means not or down from or from. We get a lot of words from this deter. If I deter you from something, I kind of scare you away from it. Now, there you are. You know, terreo meaning to scare, right? So deter, I scare you away from something. Therefore, I keep you from doing it. Okay. If I deduct points from your grade or wages from your pocket, I take them away. Um, and if you get demoted, as I did when I was five years old, from first grade to kindergarten, you get moved down. Uh, promote is the opposite. Move up. Um, there's a lot of words with this. Deduce. If you deduce, you work out the idea. You, you bring it out of your head. Duke, lead, and day from. Uh, Anybody think of any others? But you'll see this quite quite often. Now, like D, like D-E is dis. Dis, D-I-S, means apart or not. And we get things like dislocate. If you dislocate your shoulder, you take it out of place. You move it from the place that it was in. Um, diffuse. Notice some of these prefixes change again. We're going to say this again. They change their letters depending on the word they go with. So like 
it's hard to say disfuse. So the ending changes and it, then you say defuse. And that's, that's, a, that's a thing called assimilation. When the ending of the prefix changes to harmonize with the word it's going with, that's called uh, assimilation. So diffuse to pour, uh, to pour all over, to pour all around. Like it, you might have a heat diffuser that pours your heat in different directions. Divert. If, I, if something diverts you, it turns it in a different direction or apart. And disobey. If you disobey, you don't obey. <laughs> Simple as that. Anybody else uh, think of any of that, anything from that? Okay, X or A. Remember, you're going to use X if the next word begins with a vowel. A if the next word begins with a, or if the if the uh, root of the word begins with a, uh, uh, cons uh, uh, consonant. Uh, that word means out of or from, and we get a lot of words from this export. If you export a product, you carry it out of your country. Uh, edit, you give forth or give from. Um, edict, an edict is a statement from someone, like an edict from the Pope. Um, effect, you make from, you take things and make them, make them from those things that you take, and, or you cause it to happen. Uh, and there's a lot, lot more, uh, I'm sure. Uh, anybody think of any? Exit. There's one. You go out, you exit. Uh, so I'm sure there are a couple others, but you, you, can, you can think about these uh, during the week. Um, extra. Extra, extra, read all about it, right? Extra, meaning outside. And uh, we get a lot of, of words from this. Ex, uh, extra, extra legal. Extra legal means it's outside the law. You're not supposed to do it. Or extra, extraordinary. Extraordinary. I was just going to say outside of the ordinary. Extraordinary. Um, extraterrestrial. There's one we've all heard in the last few years. Extraterrestrial. What's that mean? Oh, outside out of earth, something out in space, something not on earth. Uh, terrestrial means having to do with earth. Um, sorry. Um, hmm. What about exercise? Oh. Well, no, that's exercise. And it comes, oh, yeah, from, that's right. it, it comes from a word, exerkeo, meaning to, um, meaning, to, meaning to exercise. That's exactly what it means. Exerkeo, to exercise, to train. So it comes from that. So that that's, a good, uh, that's good thinking, though. That's, uh, that's good thinking. Um, in uh, means in. Into, against, that's a hard one. I know you knew that one already. But we get words like inhabit, to live in. Immigrant, to migrate to, like is to travel to. An immigrant is a person who has traveled to your country. Um, uh, induce, if you induce labor, you bring labor on, for example. Uh, 
and uh, so forth. And sometimes this one can also change form, like it could become im, like an immigrate, or ill, like an illusion, or illogical, or something like that. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, not illogical. That's the next one we're going to get to. Uh, okay, so uh, lost some play. Okay, oh, yeah, here we go. The last one is also in, but it's in with a different meaning. It means not or un, un, like in English, the un. Illegal, not legal. Immoral, not moral. Irregular, not regular. Inappropriate, not appropriate. And one that some people like to use that's not even a really a word, irregardless. You ever heard anybody say that? That means not regardless, yes. which, which is kind of the opposite of regardless. Uh, it's kind of a, a silly thing to say. All right. Any comments or questions on these prefixes? You can look at these a little bit. Uh, you can look at these uh, this week and think them over and notice them. Notice them as you travel about, and as you hear. What's going to happen is you're going to hear words now, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, I know. That's that prefix we just had. Uh, I bet that's already been happening to you a little bit with Latin words. You, you've been noticing mm -hmm. them as you go. Can, I, notice can I ask more. a question? You certainly can. Okay. Um, so I was a French major in college. So please, if I confuse somebody, don't please just ignore me. We, but uh, I'm sorry. We've got a couple French people in here that know French. Oh, okay. So. Okay. So I was wondering, because um, I don't know the, um, like the, I'm going to say conjugations. I can't remember the word right now, but um, so like the contra, C-O-N-T-R-A, um, is that any relation to contra in French, C-O-N-T-R-E? Yes, against? it is. Yes, it okay. is. It's exactly the same. I mean, it means exactly the same thing. Yes, contra in Latin becomes contra in French. You're going to notice in a lot of the Latin words, the French really change the spelling of a lot of Latin words. And that's why when they come into English, some of them have really strange looking spellings. It's because of the French, like, for example, invoke, I-N-V-O-K-E. Why isn't it I-N-V-O-C? Because the Latin word is V-O-C-O, but it's because of the French. Uh, we have another person on here that you will like, and that if I don't think she's on yet, but Carla. Um, I'm here. I just oh, got she in. Is. Yes, she I is a French. Uh, she teaches French and Spanish and German and God knows what else, Italian and I don't even Latin, maybe even some. And so she would be a person uh, can can uh, talk to you about about French. I was a French major also, actually, in college. So very good. All right. Uh, I thought we'd look at these exercises a little bit. Remember last week we talked about the ablative case. Somebody tell me what the ablative case is used for. What is it for? To show a relationship. Okay. Show relationship, especially away from relationships, but also in relationships, that is location, and also um, instrumental, like ablative, like showing by whom, by what means something was done. And so those are the big things about the ablative. Endings, first, first declension, what's singular ending? First declension, singular ending, what? A. 
Yep. Long A. Long. You got to put that long mark. That's one time you got to put the long mark because if you don't, you won't know the nominative from the ablative. Um, you have to put it. If I were teaching you, you'd have to put it. Now, the plural. What? Don't I-S. I-S. Long A and I-S. So, famina, famines. Okay. Number one. Remember, I think we did number one of our exercises, letter A, last week. And where are these exercises? Which set of notes is this going uh, to be? It's in, in your old notes. You got notes today, Carla, but this exercise mm -hmm. is also in your notes from last week. It's that exercise. It's in those notes. So that'd be we, week I, 15? Or? Yeah. We went over a, two or three of these last week. Uh, and But they're in your new notes also. Greg and has Carla, Yes. Who? Okay, go ahead. Greg. Uh, I had one question. Uh, is it possible to get the uh, all the audio from this? Because I think it stopped at lesson 11 or something. So maybe after the holidays, they can get some I'll tell you what audio. you do. I wish you would do this. Write to Cindy and them, uh, community at acb.org, and just tell them you really want the recordings. I, I wrote to um, them last week when I, because I'm we're not going to be on next week. And I told them that. And I, I have to tell them every week, you know, the time we're going to be on and all. And I said, the recordings are not coming up uh lesson 11 i think is the last one that i saw and i said my students are asking for them so i said that but you guys if you write if enough of you write to her i'm sure that i'm doing they're probably doing the best they can but i think it wouldn't hurt to drop her a note and just say we really want these recordings so she might think nobody cares about them you know uh, i was going to ask i could record the stuff myself All done. and and uh I could record it and just distribute it to you myself, the ones of you that get the notes. But I didn't know if um, – well, it says – I noticed when I came in, it says that that you can get permission to record it. So maybe that's what I should do from now on is get whoever the host is to give me permission to record. And then I can record it, and I can send it out to you the same week. Actually, so Gary, I don't know that there's a whole lot – you can – it won't hurt to write this in, but I don't know that there's a whole lot she can do either. It's depending on whoever is in charge of putting that stuff up. All she would be able to do is, is get in touch with them and say, hey, what's what's up with this? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know they've got an awful lot of recordings to deal oh. with, and, and I know that. But I hate to see you guys be without recordings because you haven't had a recording since Lesson 11, oh. and here we are on 16. So oh. – uh, you know, well, so I don't know what's going on, but this is the case where they can't, they don't have enough people to do it. I don't know. That's probably, but well, that's why I say yeah. if they let me do it from now on, I'll yeah. just do it. You can use uh, audio hijack on a Mac. I think if you want to use something like oh, that. Oh yeah. Audio hijack on Mac. Uh, you don't even have to do that. If you're in zoom, zoom will record or let you record a meeting and put it right in your document folder or in well, the cloud. Good. So I do it all the time for my Sunday school class. So, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, so let's talk about second declension, like a word like uh, lupus. How do we make the ablative? Uh, o, no. O, no, accusative is U-M. Ablative oh, okay. is O-I-S. Again, I-S. Lupo, lupis. <laughs> so if I want to say with a wolf, I can say cum lupo, with wolves, cum lupis. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Greg? No, I just, I just said that when you said that, I made a mistake. I didn't pronounce it. <laughs> oh. going to, you know, I'm yeah. sorry. It's, 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 you know, these endings get to be quite a thing. And uh, 
I will try to find a way to kind of summarize. In fact, we will summarize them. Uh, next week, we're going to summarize all the verbs. And then the uh, week after that, we'll try to start summarizing the nouns. Um, okay, if I say, what's the ablative for third declension? Now, third declension is a little more complicated uh, because you don't know what the stem is going to be. So what you got to do is look at the accusative. So for example, if we use the word moose, what's the accusative of moose? What's the word moose mean? M-U-S. Moose mean right. Mouse. Mouse. Oh, okay. oh moose. Is it morem? Morem. Okay, more so, the oh, ablative, so the ablative just dropped the M and it would be more. So okay. for third declension, get the accusative and drop the M and you'll have the ablative, more. And the plural, drop the E and add I-B-U-S, moribus. So the plural will be moribus, okay? <laughs> and so, so let's take another example. Let's take a little easier one. Let's take serpains. Serpains, meaning snake. What's the accusative? Serpentum. Serpentum. Okay, drop the M, serpente is the ablative, and drop the E and add I-B-U-S for the plural, serpentibus. There you go. That's how you do it. Oh, wow. So, wolpace, let's do that one. The accusative is wolpem. The singular ablative will be wolpe, D-U-L-P-E, and the plural will be wolpibus, D-U-L-P-I-B-U-S. Okay. And I will, what I will do for these exercises, we'll go over a few of them, but I will send you the answers to them in next week's notes. So you'll have them. Um, now, here's a good expression. The fifth declension. Let's skip to that since we're doing deace. Deace is a fifth declension noun, meaning anyone remember? Deace. Yes, means day. Day. Right. Now, there you go. Uh, was it Aaron that said she was a French major? In yes. French, in Latin, when we have something that looks like D-I-E or D-I, that often becomes J in French. So like D-A-C in Latin becomes jour in French. And in Spanish, um, I guess Spanish is still Dias, isn't it? Dia. Yeah, Dias. Yeah. You know, Dia is day, uh, Dias or days. Yeah. Okay. What's but you the know, word there's, there's something in French that sort of... Um, predates it like the names of the days like landi mardi yeah yep, yep. there you can see the old you can see yeah. the d lurking in there hanging in there yeah uh what's the spanish word for newspaper carla News periodical oh okay i was thinking periodical, yeah that's right what's the Re word for magazine in spanish revista okay, but there is no, diario yeah. that, you know that's with, okay that's what i was trying diaries. to find out what's diario diary Diary daily. No, it's a like the daily uh, daily publication, like publication, but it's not a newspaper, really. Okay, like diario. So diario. Okay, that would be from this also. So dias. Like our daily word is la palabra la palabra diaria. Okay, there you go. That's the same same root. There you go. Same root. Yeah. And in French, like I said, it all it seems to mostly have the J. Uh, although with mardi mercredi, you still do see that. Uh, that hanging in there. Uh, but dies means day. I want to say without a day. That's sine. Okay, so the ablative, uh, d, dies, the accusative is dm, drop the m, 
DA. So sine DA is without a day. And this is an expression that comes into English, although most people mispronounce it, call it sine die or something like that. Oh, dear. But it, I heard a guy, I heard a politician do that. He says sine die. I knew exactly what he meant. What it means is without setting a definite time for something to be done. Like we're going to meet uh, in, a, in a week or two, sine die. <laughs> sine die, it should be. Um, and the plural would be sine diebus. Uh, okay, let's look at a few of these sentences if you have them. First one, Lucius cum dawo in agris laborat. These sentences are all, a lot of them are based on your, on your story that you had about a week ago. Lucius cum dawo in agris laborat. What does that mean? Lucas and with Davio is working in the field. Yep. Lucius is working in the fields with Davos. Now, uh, what kind of ablative is cum dawo? Do you remember what we call that when you say with someone? Mm -mm. That's called the ablative of accompaniment. Mm -hmm. And when you say in agris, what kind of ablative is that? Place. Yep. Good job. Place where? Yep. Good job. Okay. Number two says Publius cum sororibus in silvis ambulat. And in silvis means in the woods. So Publius cum sororibus in silvis ambulat. What does that mean? Publius walks with his sisters. Sisters? Mm -hmm. In the woods? In the woods. Very good. Very good. Okay, we'll do one couple more. Paula, that's a name, by the way, Paula cum ludia in casa manet. Paula cum ludia in casa manet. Paula and Lucy are in the house. All right. Paula remains in the house. With oh, okay. you, had write, you had the right idea, Beth. You weren't so far off. Yeah. Um, you weren't so far off. Paula remains in the house with Lydia. Okay. Lydia, remember, was a slave lady. Aistate in Agris Laboramus said, Heme in Casa Laboramus. Now, Aistate and Heme, how do we translate them? Um, what? Summer. In summer. summer. In summer, summer. laboramos in our hey, We work in the summer. Yep. We work in we the work fields in the summer. In the yeah. summer. But Hieme, what's Hieme? Winter in the winter. In the winter, winter in Casa Laboramos. And we work in the house. We work in the house. Work in the house. Let's do one more, and then we'll then we'll send you the answers for the rest of them. A meo curre in animo habeo. Curre means to run. I should have given you that one. Curre. We're going to learn oh, that. Yeah. One. So, uh, a domino meo curre in animo habeo. In animo habeo means I intend. I have it in mind. So, I intend to what? Curre. Run. To run a to domino run? meo. What? From, from my master. I intend to run away from my master. Okay. All right. And I'll send you the answers to the rest of these uh, and uh, you can study them if you want to. And uh, we can uh, 
uh, look at that. I thought we would st start today with with uh, Christmas Carol. We haven't done. I want to look at this Gaudete. Uh, Greg had heard this song somewhere, and he'd been asking me about this song for a while. And you guys, if you ever see movies uh, about King Arthur or something, chances are somewhere in the movie they will play a little excerpt of this song because it is uh, it is a um, it is actually a medieval song. It is actually a, a real, it's not like these songs we've been learning where some Latin teacher translated it. This is, this is a real Latin, medieval Latin song. Okay. By the way, if you look at my notes, you will notice that there are underscores in here. And the reason that happens is that I was using them for the long mark. I hadn't learned when I typed this to write long marks. In Latin, and I was using the underscore as a as a long mark, uh, which you can do. You can write it uh, over the word. It worked as a long mark, but now I know how to do the, do them right, so I should really retype it. But anyway, don't worry about the underscores. This song this says the answer to this question. But are there any ancient Latin songs? Uh, you mean like in Roman times? Mm -hmm. You mean like from Roman times? Right. We there is one that I can think of. Uh, in the in, in a, there's a there's a play by Plautus called the Haunted House, and in there is a kind of a song. Um, it kind of you know it kind of goes along, and you can you can read it, but what the tune was to it, we don't know. And of course, also um, in the uh, in Hor Horace, the poet Horace wrote a song called the Carmen Siculari, which boys and girls sang at one point to celebrate Augustus. But how the tune of it went, we just have no idea. And, of course, you have the Greek plays that have choruses in them. And most people just chant them sort of blah, 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 da, da. They don't. They just have no idea what, what the tune would have been. Uh, so that, that's all. Uh, I don't know if anyone ever, I don't know when written music ever started. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, this song says Galde, the chorus says Galde, this is uh, in your new notes. It's the last Christmas carol. It's like number 13. Um, those of you who don't have the new notes don't have it, but it goes Galdete, Galdete, Christus es natus, ex Maria, Virgine, Galdete. And that says rejoice, rejoice. Galdete means rejoice. We get the word gaudy from it, wearing gaudy clothing is clothing it's very bright looking and joyful looking so gaudete rejoice rejoice christ is born from the virgin mary rejoice now ninette and i are going to try to sing oh and also in this you're going to notice there's a word bis that word bis just means sing it twice it's a latin abbreviation so don't worry don't sing that it just it just means do it again uh everybody i'd like everybody to mute when you sing this with us, but Ninette can sing it with me because she knows it. Uh, I don't know if she and I are going to come out right or not. We might come out different on different beats because she's on her phone and I'm on my computer. But we'll see how it goes. Ready, Nye? Gaudete, Gaudete, Christus est natus, ex Maria virgine, Gaudete, 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 Christus est natus, ex Maria virgine, Gaudete. That seemed like it came out good. I don't know if it did. Uh, oh, okay. Well, then it did. 
I don't know if you can hear her or not, but she's harmonizing. So uh, anyway, the, the, that's how it goes. Uh, I made a mistake when I sang it the first time. It's ex virg. We're doing the Catholic pronunciation on this. So ex virgine. Okay, next is the verse goes, Tempus ades gratiae, hoc quod optabamus, carmenae laetitiae, or carmenae laetitiae, devote redamus. By the way, um, I give you the meaning in the notes of this, so I'm not going to take time to give you the meaning now, but I do give you the meaning in the notes. Ready, Ninette? Tempus ades gratiae, hoquot optabamus, carmen laetitiae, devote redamus, again, gaudete, gaudete, Christus est natus, ex Maria Virgine, gaudete, 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 Christus est natus, ex Maria Virgine, gaudete, Okay, that's the first verse. I'm not going to do any more verses for you right now because I don't think this song sounds good when people sing it. It sounds wonderful when you hear a choir sing it. But what I will do is tell you this. Look on the web for Gaudete. Look on the web, G-A-U-D-E-T-E, and you should be able to find a million recordings of it, and you can listen to it. Um, the, the best known recording is by a group called Steel Eye Span, and that's the group that I used to play uh, it, for my students. But there's all kinds. There's one by the Aristocratic Pigs, and there's one by the, oh, there's all kinds. There's modern ones. There's old ones. Um, and I'm sure if you look them up, you'll have a good time. Oh, here it goes. Harry, I heard it on the radio the other day. It was a modern rendition, sort of a rock rendition. They played it, and I thought mm -hmm. of you. Yep. Yep. Uh, there is. And I give you, I, I, if you look on the web, you'll find it. Uh, I, I would, I have a folder full of recordings of it and I was going to send them to some of you who get the notes, but I thought, well, Cindy really doesn't want us to s deal with copyrighted material. So I probably shouldn't send them out at all. So I'll let you look them up and, uh, and find them. But anyway, Gary, you sent me a, a CD with a bunch. Of I think I, I did Carla. Yes, yes I did. I, but that I was, that was in our other life. So yes, in our other that. life, when you were helping me put together the exploratory <laughs> Latin course. She and I have been in NABT or AABT for years, and that's why we, um. we think we go back a little way. So, Anyway, the third verse, Ninette. Ezekielis porta clausa per transitor, unde lux est orta salus invenitor. thing that might trick you is that Ezekielis porta, Ezekielis porta, it means Ezekiel through the closed door of Ezekiel. Anyway, I give you the I give you the meaning, and you might even hear a few verses on the recordings you find on the web that might be different from this. But basically, uh, this is what you will find uh, on the web if you do look it up. Uh, okay, anybody have a favorite Christmas carol that we've been singing that you would like to sing or one we didn't sing that I might have? Uh, I, I put one more on the notes for you this time. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, I put that you can look at. But anyone have any that you want to do again that we did a couple weeks ago that we've been doing for the past few weeks? What time is it anyway? Uh, you got 21 minutes, Gary. Okay, I'm in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. uh, does anyone have any you particularly want to sing? Well, I'll tell you what, you got like a Deste Fidelis. All right, let's do a Deste Fidelis. 
Uh, here we go. Ready? Adeste fideles, leti triumphantes, venite, venite in Bethlehem. Nacum videte, regem angelorum, venite adoremus, venite adoremus, venite adoremus, dominum. Now, um, let me just say, uh, don't forget, we're using Catholic pronunciation. We probably won't use Catholic pronunciation as much the rest of the time, but uh, for Christmas carols, it's the way to go. It's the way to go. All right. I want to look briefly at your grammar, your new grammar this week. Very easy grammar. Well, it's easy for me to say. It's easy, but I think it is uh, pretty easy. And that is the third conjugation of verbs. You guys have learned first conjugation. Remember, that's O-A-S-A-T-A-M-U-S-A-T-I-S-A-N-T. You've learned second conjugation verbs. E-O-E-S-E-T-E-M-U-S-E-T-I-S-E-N-T. Now we come to third conjugation. And after we do third I-O and fourth, we're going to learn a little song to help us compare them. But for right now, let's just look at third. It's pretty easy. The thing that's tricky about it is the stem. Uh, the infinitive is short E-R-E. -E. Remember, for, for second conjugations, it's long E-R-E. -E. And so for third, it's short E-R-E, -E, which means that you, if you have a word that's third conjugation, it's very easy to know how to pronounce the infinitive. You accent the third from the last syllable. So, for example, uh, let's see, which verb did I give you here? Well, for example, ago, I would say the infinitive will be pronounced agare. So it's kind of easy to do, just accent the third from the last syllable. Now, so the infinitives are always short E. And the stem is found the same way. You drop, by the way, the notes, I notice on my notes, somehow I didn't get a space between the singular and the plural. I apologize for that. I'll fix that and send it to you better next week. But there's supposed to be a space uh, between them. Um, but anyway... Uh, the verb, uh, so the stem E, though, changes to an I. And so you never have an E when you actually conjugate these verbs. You have an O, you have an E, uh, you have an I, and you have a U. And so I used to tell my kids this was the I-O-U conjugation. So it goes ago, agus, agit, agimus, agitis, agunt, A-G-O, A-G-I-S, A-G-I-T, A-G-I-M-U-S, A-G-I-T-I-S, A-G-U-N-T. Ago, agis, agit. Agimus, agitus, agunt. Um, and so that leads to a joke. How is third conjugation like a conceited person? The answer is I predominates and you comes last. <laughs> and when you hear that joke, you go, oh, so that <laughs> covers the entire verb. Uh, that covers the entire conjugation of it. So um, I give you some new vocabulary here because we'll be using sentences and so forth. I give you the word contra, which you had in your prefixes, meaning against. Populus, populum means people. Uh, and populum romana or populus romanus means the Roman people. Uh, you often see that. And then I give you some verbs. 
ago agare to do to drive to live it has all kind of meanings depending on the context uh we get a lot of words from this in english like agenda the agenda are things which must be done uh, uh agitate coagulate we get a lot of words from this word in english uh, credo credere to believe we get the word credit from it uh, we get the word creed from it. We even get the English word credo. That's my credo. It's like, that's what I believe. Curo, uh, curre, to run. Don't get this mixed up with C-U-R-O, C-U-R-A-R-E. This is C-U-R-R-O, two R's. And you Frenchies, the French word to run is courir. Courir, yeah. Couldn't unmute. <laughs> it's irregular, too. It's an irregular verb. Uh, courier and the spanish word for run is courier yeah okay so you, so and the, we get the yeah, english word, current um you know like current events or things that are running by us right now or happening right now current in a river is a running stream a flowing stream electric current is current that is flowing so it, it all comes from that word if something occurs literally it runs into you is what it really means. Uh, it's curriculum. Curriculum. Yes. Okay. Yes. Curriculum is the noun form of this word, meaning like a running of, like a running of a, of a plan, like a, like an unfolding of something, like a uh -huh. running forward of something. So your curriculum we tie. Now there's a good Latin phrase. What is a curriculum we tie? Well, if you knew the we tie meanings life, life. curriculum we tie is a resume. Resume, the curriculum, the, 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 you know, the plan of your life, the way your life has gone. A curriculum vitae, they used to call resume that. Right. One. Uh, duco ducere, to lead. We get the word deduce, induce, seduce, produce. <laughs> yes, seduce, to lead aside, to <laughs> lead apart, believe it or not. Um, Edo, edere, to eat. We've already had this word, but now I'm giving it to you formally. And there is a, like a, an abbreviation, aced means he eats. So you can, you could write edit, but you also could write aced, which they sometimes do. But here's my favorite Latin word. Gero, gerere, means to carry on. I used to, Ninette and I were in high school taking Latin and, uh, we would test each other on vocab and I'd say, you can remember this word. I carry on all the time. So Garrow, you know, anyway, to carry on, to conduct, to wear. And the most common place you see this word is in the expression bellum gerere, to wage war. As you can imagine, the Romans waged a lot of war and the word belligerent, someone who's belligerent, that word comes right from this. Uh -huh. so, mito mitere, to send. We get a missile that you send up in the air from this word. We also get a missile, uh, I think, uh, I'm not even sure the, uh, no, I guess not. Never mind. Um, anyway, a missile would be, a missive is an old way of saying a letter. Um, uh, and things like transmit, permit. Uh, by the way, if it, it, you know what a remittance is? A remittance is if somebody sends you money. And you get it. Like if your dad sent you an allowance, that's a remittance. That's what they used uh -huh. to call it. Send back. Uh -huh. Peto petere, to seek. We get the word petition. A petition is when you seek something in writing to, to change something. 
Um, Pono ponere. There we are, Carla Poner in Spanish. To put, put or place. Put or place. Yep. Requiro means to requiro, requirere, to ask, to inquire. And scribo, scribere, right. to write. And you get in Spanish, it's a notice in Spanish sometimes, and in French also, we're in, we're in Latin, you have SC, that in Spanish and French, an E is added to it. So, like in Latin, isn't it escribir to write? I mean, in, in Spanish, escribir, I think it is. And in French, it's écrire. Notice in French that the total, the SC, drops, I mean, changes. You don't get that S at all. Instead, you get an E acute or an U accent aigu, which uh, sometimes happens in French when you have an S in Latin, it becomes an U accent aigu in French. So that's kind of an interesting little thing. Okay. And so we have some exercises you can do to keep your mind. I know when you all get bored on Christmas, opening gifts and eat turkey, <laughs> you can, you can do, do your Latin. So, okay. That's good. Uh, all right. Anybody got anything else to say before we go into our mythology? How do you say Merry Christmas? Bon Natale or? No, no, no. We talked about that. I think you, Dies Christi is probably the word for Christmas. You could say Natalis uh, Dies Christi. Uh, Natalis okay. Dies Christi is the full phrase, birthday of Christ. But often in these Christmas carols, they just say Dies Christi. So I think you could say either. Lightus Natalis Dies Christi, or just Lightus Dies Christi. Lightus okay. meaning happy. Lightus. Or even Beatus. Beatus means blessed. Uh, Beatus Dies Christi, you could say. Okay. And then Happy New Year. Um, lightum, lightus Honest Bonus. Or, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wrong. Lightus Honest Noahs. I knew I was going to say both. Lightus Honest Noahs. Happy New Year. Lightus Honest Noahs. Uh, okay. It's interesting in French they say bonne année, which is like a good year. Uh, anyway, so very good. Any other questions on anything uh, about anything before we do our mythology? All right, we left off. The Greeks are getting hard pressed, they're getting their butts kicked. Why? Because uh, Zeus is trying to help the Trojans to because he wants to honor Achilles. Achilles, remember, is mad. He's not going to fight. He's not going to help his countrymen. And without him in the battle, the Greeks feel defeated and the Trojans feel very elated. And so Hector starts doing all kind of marvelous deeds on the battlefield. And uh, so the Greeks are losing. In fact, the Trojans come out of the city and take battle up and bring the battle right up to the ships. And there, in fact, they have set one ship on fire. And so it looks like the Greeks are either going to get toasted or they're going to go home. One or the other. So it's at this point that Achilles' best friend, whose name is Patroclus, says, you can be mad if you want. And you can sit around and sulk if you want to. But I'm not going to let my countrymen die. I'm not going to let them say that I didn't help. So he said, I'll tell you what, let me have your armor and let me go into battle disguised as you. And if, if I go in the battle disguised as you, they may, it may give our people more hope. It may scare the Trojans and we may be able to win this battle. 
And so Achilles said, that's fine. You can take my armor and you can go into battle, but I have been dishonored and I am not going to fight. And so Patroclus goes into battle disguised as Achilles and does quite well, uh, really revives, revives the spirits of the Greeks and they are able to keep the Trojans from burning more ships and push the Trojans back a little bit. But then the party is over. Patroclus meets Hector. And Hector thinks he's fighting with Achilles. And in fair fight, he didn't do anything underhanded in a fair battle. He kills Patroclus. And this totally destroys Achilles. When he finds out, he realizes that it's really kind of his fault that his best friend got killed. And he goes into a, he goes into a real, a, like a manic rage. And he basically says, I will not eat. I will not drink. I will not rest until I avenge Patroclus's death. And he goes into battle. And as he goes into battle sooner or later during that battle, he meets Hector and he Hector asks him, Hector has a feeling that he is going to die. And so he says, if you kill me, please give my body back to my parents, which is a, a very reasonable request. Achilles says, huh, if I kill you, you're, the dogs are getting your body. I ain't giving it back to no one. You're done. And so uh, he, uh, Hector gets kind of tricked by the gods because the gods make him think that one of his brothers is standing right next to him with an extra spear. And so he throws a spear, hits Achilles, but it doesn't do any harm. And then he gets ready to get another spear from his brother, but his brother is gone because it was one of the gods pretending to be his brother. And then Achilles says, you're mine, bud, throws the spear, hits Hector, kills him. And that's not the worst of it. Remember, we said Hector is the most likable person in the entire Iliad. You'd like him. He, he's a noble man. He's got a better marriage than any of the gods up in Mount Olympus. He knows that this, he doesn't even believe in what he's fighting for in the sense that he thinks Paris was wrong, but he, but he does believe in his country and he knows that he's going to die, but he says, I have to die fighting for my country. I can't do anything else. And so he's a very noble character, but Achilles is just filled with rage and he does a very sacrilegious thing. After he kills Hector, he pierces his feet with thongs, ties ropes to his feet, ties Hector's body to his chariot, and pulls and drags Hector's dead body around the walls of Troy several times. And, he, and whenever he gets the urge, he goes out, gets that body, hooks it up, drags it around a while, then he gets tired, goes back home. And this is, um, he goes, he does this for several days. You can imagine if you were Hector's parents or were, you know, someone who loved him, this will be terrible to see a dead body of someone you love treated like this. And even the gods get mad about this. They say, this is inhumane. This is, this has gone too far. And so they send Mercury down to appear to Achilles and they say, this is sacrilegious. You may not do this anymore. The God's favor is going to turn from you. 
And he also goes to Priam, the old king of Troy, and say, go out, go to the Greek camp, go to Achilles' tent, and ask him to let you buy his son's body back so he can bury it. And Achilles agrees to do that because the gods tell him he has to. And so Priam piles all kind of treasures up and leaves Troy and comes and and very fearfully, because you know, this is a he's an old man, Achilles is a real young man. And Achilles begs the gods to not not let him get mad and kill him when he sees him. Uh, and Priam goes into Achilles' tent and says, Achilles, please have pity on me. Think of your own father who is about my age. And what if you had been killed and how would he feel? You know, uh, let me buy my son's body back. And it, it says that Achilles looked at Priam and felt a pity. He remembered his own father and he, he realized that Priam was a, a human being after all, was a, was a man a lot like his own father. And it made him feel better. It made, it took away some of his anger. And so then he agrees to sell the body of Hector back to uh, the Trojans. And so they take the body of Hector back and the Iliad ends with the funeral for Hector. And uh, it's kind of a funny book because it, it begins and ends, but it doesn't end because the story is not over. I mean, when you end the book, you think, well, what happens next? And you don't find out what happens next until uh, you either read Euripides' Trojan Women, which was written in the 5th century, or until you read Virgil's Aeneid, The Fall of Troy, uh, one of the books in the Aeneid tells you about what caused Troy to fall. So you have to kind of wait a little while to find out the ending, although in the the ancient world, they knew the ending. Uh, Even though Homer doesn't treat it, they knew it. Uh, it had been handed down to them. And, and uh, you know, it's like, it's a little bit like we have a place up in Pennsylvania. Carla, you might know about it. I don't know if any of you other people would know called Sight and Sound. And it's a place that puts on dramas, mostly of uh, religious stories from the Bible. And so you might go and see a drama and they'll portray that drama and they can do anything they want to that drama as long as they don't change the plot. The plot has to be the same. And so, you know, you can't do something that's not in the real story. But you can, like, for example, in the story of Daniel, you can give Daniel a girlfriend. We have no record that he ever had a girlfriend. You can do that. But you cannot change the basic story. And that's what these Greek dramatists and these uh, people writing these stories do. They have to know, they have to follow the story. But they can add little embellishments to it as they see Two minutes. <laughs> okay, we are done. And it was good. We got done the Iliad. So next time we meet, we will not meet next week. We will not meet next week, but I will send notes out to you. Uh, we will not meet. And uh, actually, I won't send notes out to you because the notes I sent today are what you need. So, uh, uh, Gary, so what about the Trojan horse? When will we hear that story? Next week. Okay. No, well, not next, next week. Oh, uh, well, week after next. I'm sorry. Yeah. Isn't that mm-hmm. stupid? You can tell I'm getting old. Week after next. <laughs> week after next. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I may send you a few more notes, but I'll send them before the day of the class. So uh, have a wonderful Christmas, everyone. A, a wonderful Christmas and a blessed new year. And I hope uh, I will see you in two weeks.
on this same time, same station. 